The Bible. It's the Word of God, sharper than any two-edged sword. This sacred book is living and active and contains all that's needed for life and godliness. Stay with American Family Radio for the next hour as we study God's Word and take your Bible questions. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Yesterday in Proverbs 23, we heard some admonitions about things uh, not to do. And in Proverbs 24, it begins as follows. Verse 1 of Proverbs 24, Be not thou envious against evil men, neither desire to be with them. Their heart studeth destruction, and their lips talk of mischief. Then in 3 and following, it'll talk about how a house and a life are built. But we welcome you to Exploring the Word. This is Alex McFarland along with Bert Harper, and you're listening to the American Family Radio Network. And Bert, this is our combination uh, nationwide Bible study, nationwide prayer meeting, and also some Q&A and answering questions, isn't it? It really is, and we enjoy it because both of those, all three of those are very important, you know, things you do as you grow in the Lord. And you do the Bible study, you pray, and then you need someone to help you along the way uh, to answer those questions. And I love verse uh, 3 and 4, Alex. You may want to go back to 1 and 2, but 3 and 4. Through wisdom, a house is built, and by understanding, it is established. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. Now, Alex, is it necessarily talking about a house of brick and mortar? Or is it maybe talking about a house or a home here, or a combination of both? (laughs) Well, in a way, you know, the Bible talks about the house really being our life, our family. Uh, Yes, there is the idea of marriage and the home, as we think of. But in a way, it's like when Jesus talked about the wise man built his house, quote-unquote, on the rock not on the sand. And when verse 3 says, through wisdom is an house builded, and by understanding it is established, and by knowledge shall the chambers be filled with all precious and pleasant riches. But I think it's talking about uh, ordering our life and everything about life on God and his truth. It would be that. And when you do that, guess what follows? Now, it doesn't mean it won't be any trouble. It doesn't mean there won't be difficulty. But you have that foundation going back to how you built your house on the rock or sand. The key is the foundation. So here on Exploring the Word, one of the questions we love to ask our listeners, what are you building your life upon? What What is there? Is it stable? Is it fleeting? Uh, the book of Proverbs warns you about riches. They'll be here today and gone tomorrow. It warns you about many areas of life that people desire and it just comes up empty. But when you put your fear in the Lord, and that's one of the keys, the fear of the Lord, wisdom, knowledge, those are some repeated words in the book of Proverbs. Alex, that's the whole idea. Uh, the, The rooms will be filled, and there will be pleasantness in your life. So, let me, we're encouraging all of you who are listening today, build your house upon Jesus Christ. He is the firm foundation, isn't he? Well, he really is. And, you know, Bert, one of the you know most well-used themes in great literature has been the struggle between good and evil. And so many, you know, books and movies that have become, you know, classics, um, very often they'll deal with like a young man struggling to stay on the right path or be lured away to the wrong path. And um, not to go backwards, but, you know, verse 1 is so profound. Do not be envious of evil men. Do not desire to be with them. For their heart, they don't know it. Their heart is planning their own destruction. And, Bert, um, I've seen films about a young man, you know, trying to come up out of poverty. And the question is, do I go the bad way with thieves and robbers, or do I try honest work and trusting God? And let me say that um, I, I read this article some years ago. Well, it was about the time that we went into the 21st century. It was back in the year 2000. And they asked the heads of all the Fortune 500 companies about what they look for in an employee or in somebody they're going to promote. And they said, you know, um, skill is important and education is important. But the character trait that they look for most of all in people that succeed is, is integrity. 
Mm. Honesty. You know, let's just call it character. And what it's saying here, wisdom, okay, you can say righteousness, truth, honesty, morals, ethics, character. Uh, that's the that's what paves the way for life and success and eternity, isn't it, Bert? It really is, and it was true in the year 2000. It's still true in 2023, 23 mm-hmm. years later, and it will be true if the Lord doesn't come back. It will be true in 25 more years or whatever. Verse 5, a wise man is strong. Yes, a man of knowledge increases strength. I, I just found that intriguing. Wisdom or uh, wise and strong, knowledge and strength. Alex, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's the whole idea. Our real strength, especially in the Lord and our character, as a man thinketh in the heart, in his heart, so is he. So our, yeah. our thought life and what we put in, what we do, they go a long way in establishing what kind of person we will be. Will we be strong or weak? The Bible says a double-minded man is unstable in all of his ways. So you you come up and you follow truth, and truth is in the Word of God. And so you build your life upon that, and you'll find that you will increase. Uh, let me make this statement, and I'll throw it back to you. Uh, you know, I've been saved a long time, but I am more confident today, uh, years later, than I was when I began this journey of faith. Amen. Because I've seen God come through again and again and again, and His Word being so strong that it is a dependent friend that we can depend upon, and it is there. When all else fails, we can turn to God, and he will never leave us. He'll never forsake us. What a promise that is, brother. Well, well, it is. And, Bert, you know, I know we have some young people listening to the show right now. In fact, I know know several groups of teenagers in the mid-Atlantic states that listen to us very, very regularly— and um, I know I'm going to sound like, you know, an old guy up on a soapbox, but I want to say to all the young people listening, uh, there are no shortcuts. <laughs> on the pathway to success, there are no shortcuts. And there are no, you, you don't ever prosper by cheating or cutting corners. Um, you know, the Boston Marathon is a big race, and this seems to happen about one or two times per decade. It's thousands and thousands of people run the Boston Marathon. And, you know, to finish is an accomplishment, but to really place or win is a big thing. And Bert, every now and then, there'll be somebody who has some shocking, you know, good time running the marathon, and they found out that they, they cut through a park or, or they cheated. You know, they, they right. cut, cut through, and it always catches up with people. Sooner it really or later. Does. Sooner or and, later. You know, it yeah. will. Wasn't that and, old commercial, pay me now or pay me later? Uh, yeah, you know, exactly. so we need to go with God, don't we? We do. Now, verse seven says, wisdom is too high for a fool. He opens not his mouth in the gate. I, I'm going to come back to that in a second, but I just want to say, um, I, I truly believe you can achieve all the dreams that might be on your heart and you can become uh, something that God has wonderfully planned for you. But your your goals and your life purpose and all those things you want to achieve, it, it can happen. But you must, number one, put Jesus Christ first and then attend to your growth in the Lord and then do it right. Um, listen, Psalm 37, 4 says that if you commit your way to the Lord, he'll give you the desires of your heart. Amen. Bert, I think you and I both, we know what it is. God has blessed us to... Um, realize goals and plans, but there's no there's no shortcut, and you certainly can't do it, you know, by doing something dishonest. But in verse 7, it says, wisdom is too high for a fool. In other words, it means too lofty. It's something that the fool cannot reach or attain to. But the implication is not that he couldn't, but that he wouldn't. And it says, he opens not his mouth in the gate. Now, there's a couple of ways to understand this. But, Bert, the the gates of a city uh, very often refer to leadership or the respected, honored people. And if if you're a fool, and by fool, doing things the sinful way rather than the righteous way, doing things man's way rather than God's way, um, that's not a life of respect or permanence or having a place at the table, shall we say. 
Um, the, the fool fades back and disappears and doesn't accomplish what the Lord put him here to accomplish. He does not. Now, this, as I was talking about leadership in the gate yesterday uh, in chapter 23, we talked about the kinsman redeemer in verse 11. Now, what happens in, in those six cities of refuge if something happened and you went to somewhere for protection, you go to one of those cities of refuge. The kinsman redeemer would follow you there, and then he would bring you before the, the leadership, the judges that set out the gate so they would hear you and know and know truth and know things. And here, the, the person that is the fool, uh, he has no answer. Uh, they're going to ask him questions. When the questions come up, there's nothing that he says that qualifies him uh, to for truth. And so, Alex, this is what we don't. We want to speak truth and and not be foolish. Listen to wisdom and speak that which uh, God has put placed there. So he does not open his mouth in the gate. He has nothing to say. And also, they, if he's been foolish, not listening to wisdom, going his way, the answers and what he gives will not measure up. They will mm-hmm. not muster. And so it says, he who plots to do evil will be called a schemer. The devising of foolishness is sin, and the scoffer is an abomination to men. That's the whole thing. You see the evil. It goes from the fool to the schemer to the scoffer. These are things you want to avoid. Do, a person does not want to go there. If Now, verse 10 if you want to go there, but I wanted, I was hurrying to get to verse 10. It's one of my favorite verses in chapter 24. If you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. We are, guess what's going to happen? Adversity is sure. In this world, we will have difficulty, heartache. And it says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. So Alex uh, our strength is in the Lord. Our faith is in the Lord. It's not in ourselves. One last thing about that, and I'll throw it to you real quick. I got about a 45 minutes. But Peter, when he said to Jesus, I'll never leave you or forsake you, he was speaking in his strength, and he failed. But when he stood before the Sanhedrin, he said, we can't help but speak and say the things that we've seen and heard. What was the difference? The day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit of God had empowered them. The Holy Spirit being reigning and ruling in our lives makes all the difference, doesn't he? Well, it really does. And let me say, uh, like verse 10, in Jesus, you can stand in the day of adversity. And the strength you've got, well, Jesus will increase that. And he'll make you strong in so many ways. Well, stay tuned. Exploring the Word is going to come back right after this. We'll uh, continue Proverbs 24. Plus, take your calls. Stay with us. Let's be real. Retirement is expensive and inflation is making it even harder with the cost of everything going up from pet food to a dozen eggs. Wouldn't it be great if the cost of your health care could go down? Well, MediShare 65 plus is $99 a month for ages 65 to 74. And for many with Medicare parts A and B looking at other options, that's 50% or more saved per month. No gimmicks. It's $99 a month, and you can use any Medicare-approved doctor or facility, and you get 24-7 access to telehealth from the convenience of your home. Better yet, MediShare is a Christian nonprofit organization. It's a community that will pray for you and encourage you. And since we've cut out the middleman, you get to keep the savings. Call now. You can learn more about MediShare 65+. Here's the number, 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE, 833-45-BIBLE. These days, when something is stolen from us, it's pretty unusual to get it back. But Dr. Tony Evans says that's not the case in the spiritual world, as we spend two minutes with Tony. We have alarm systems, surveillance systems, We have locks on our doors to address the reality of theft. Just as people steal in the physical realm, people steal in the spiritual realm. Ephesians 1.3 says, God has already blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. What Satan has done is he has been the rogue of the universe, entering into our affairs and stealing from us that which God has or wants to entrust to us. For many of us, he's stolen our joy, and joy eludes us. For others, he's stolen our peace, so we live in chaos and not calm. 
You're on your way to heaven, but the devil has still ripped you off. You're saved, but the devil has still ripped you off. So God is able to get back what the enemy has stolen. He is your insurance policy. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 2.14, he causes us to triumph. He says in Romans 8 verse 37 that we are more than conquerors. The Bible says in Colossians 2.15, the devil has already been defeated. He has no right to your stuff, but we let him keep it because we don't go after it God's way. Whatever he has stolen from you, Illegitimately, I want to tell you today, you have the right to reclaim. You'll be surprised what can be accomplished when you reclaim your resources and invest them God's way. Check out Tony's CD series, Kingdom Stewardship, available online at TonyEvans.org. Then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Speaking of Jesus, uh, what you want to do is find Jesus on every page of the Bible. Matter of fact, I was looking in Proverbs 24. Alex, see if you recognize this in verse 12. If you say, surely we do not know this, does not he who weighs the hearts consider it? He who keeps your soul, does he not know it? And will he not render to each man according to his deeds? Uh, In my Bible, that he's capitalized. What about in yours? Well, it sure is. He uh, is capitalized because that must mean a specific person, uh, the Lord, doesn't it? It really does. And again, good Bible study. Not only we enjoy Bible study, Alex and I enjoy helping others to really notice things to make the Bible study enhanced and come alive. So always look for that. Is there a message from God? Is he telling something about his character? All of it. But I just love that. He who weighs the hearts. Alex, God does look at the heart. Is it real? He really does. Uh, Words, uh, you know, honestly, that's never impressed God. But when they believed, do you remember the the, the, uh, centurion and Mm -hmm. his son was healed? He said, I have not found so great a faith, not even Israel. Now, he wasn't looking for his words. He didn't listen to how much he gave because everybody was talking about how good that man had been to the Jewish people. That didn't necessarily move the heart of Jesus, but what moved him, I have not found so great a faith. So God, he weighs the heart, doesn't he? Well, he really does. And, And you know what? We need to believe God for great things. I mean, salvation is putting your trust in Jesus who died on the cross. He rose again. And if you accept Jesus, he'll forgive you. But you know what, Bert? I believe in the Christian life. We need to believe God for great things and to trust the Lord. By the way, that um, verse 12 is so much like Proverbs 21, too, that says, you know, a man, a man has his ways, but God ponders his heart. And it goes on in 13 and 14, really, uh, tell us that knowledge and wisdom is a great reward, sweeter than honey. You know, people eat honey because it's good and sweet to the taste. You know, it's almost like in every culture, they love honey. But so shall the knowledge of wisdom be unto thy soul. When thou hast found it, then there shall be a reward, and thy expectation shall not be cut off. Bert, um, to uh, pull from the way the King James renders it, when you trust in the Lord, your expectation will not be cut off. You know, <laughs> all of the, the faith and the trust and the dependence we put in Christ, it's well rewarded, isn't it? It is, and you can have confidence in that. Uh, over in the book of First John, you know, John makes it plain. He said, I write this to you that you may know that you have eternal life. That is the confidence, and it's not confidence in yourself. It's confidence in God. Alex, for individuals that I've you know, tried to counsel with that uh, they were doubting their salvation. I would say, listen, they'd say, I've done that. I've repented. I've trusted the Lord. I've done that. But I just don't know if I've done what all I need to do. Listen, our confidence is in God. And God Mm. takes that. He's the one. 
Our confidence is, confidence is in him. Listen to verse 12. He keeps your soul. And in verse 14, your hope will not be cut off. That uh, Listen, that's, that's pretty good to have confidence in him like that, isn't it? Well, amen. Amen. And, you know, speaking of confidence in the righteousness of God, all right, the next few verses, really 15 through 19, um, I want to pull these together, and I, let me just summarize somewhat quickly. But it says, you know, uh, wicked man, don't lay in wait for the, the dwelling of the righteous man. Don't rob him. Don't spoil his resting place. Uh, verse 16, because here's, here's the thing about the righteous man. He falls seven times and seven times gets back up again. But the wicked shall fall into mischief. So, uh, wicked man, uh, be careful about going up against the righteous man because the righteous man has God in him. And, of course, you know, 16 is a good verse. If, you, if you're stuck on verse 10 and your strength is small and you want to get to verse 16 and you, you can get knocked down seven times, you know, uh, the Lord will help you do that. But here is a little admonition, though, for the righteous man, okay? Verse 17, do not rejoice when your enemy falls, and let not thine heart be glad when he stumbles, lest the Lord see it, and it displeases him, and he turns away his wrath from him. Okay, in 1 Corinthians 13, it says, love does not rejoice in the wrong, but rejoices in the right. Now, I know, Bert, there's a human tendency to enjoy... um, if let's say we're in the right and we we we've told the truth and we've done the right, and the the bad guy who has sinned it comes back on him right. Don't rejoice in that. Now we need to rejoice in the truth, but um, there's just always this temptation for for somebody to get their just desserts. Oh, they had it coming to them. Yeah. Be careful. Uh, we need to keep our heart pure, don't we, Bert? We really and, do. Yeah. Alex, I I want to go back to 16 real quick. I think we've got a biblical example of both of those. See what you think about it. For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again. King David is a man after God's own heart. But you can go through his life because the Bible gives pretty good detail to David's life. And you'll see him failing. You'll see him making a mistake, a wrong judgment at times. But he comes back when he, Nathan pointed out that he was a man. He confessed his sin and got right with God. So that example of that is David, a man after God's own heart. Uh, it's not that he's perfect in all, all of his ways. He'll fail, but he will not blame it on others. He'll take responsibility. He'll come to God and get forgiveness and follow God after that. And then the one whose wicked shall fall by calamity. I think King Saul's an example of that. He mm-hmm. took things in his own hand, and guess what he did? He justified it. He said, oh, I, I didn't think Samuel was coming, so I, I had to do that. So just make note of that. Take responsibility of wrong in your life and come to God and f- ask forgiveness, and he can restore. And so don't justify wrongdoing and wrong thinking. I, I just couldn't pass that up, Alex. I know it's going backward again like I do sometimes, but – uh, that's, do you agree with those two uh, people? I, I think this is just good common sense because, listen, you know, it talks about um, fearing the Lord and not meddling with the affairs of the king. Um, you know, we don't have kings and, you know, castles in this day and age. But, listen, in every context, in the family, in the workplace, certainly in church work, being in a neighbor in your neighborhood— you're going to need people skills no matter where you go in life. Bert, everybody needs some social skills and some wisdom about interacting with people. And it says, you know, do not fret because of evil men. Do not be envious of the wicked. Hey, just remember, there's no reward for the evil man. Verse 20, the candle of the wicked shall be put out. And that's really life and legacy there. And um, it goes on, and it talks about the calamity that comes on the wicked. And um, verse 23 says, These things also belong to the wise. It is not good to have respect of persons in judgment. Bert, I've, um, I've, I've been in a lot of situations where, um, you know, you and I go to the big broadcasting conference every year, and we have for a long time. And uh, we talk about people there shoulder surfing. 
And what that means is they'll be talking to you, but they're looking back and forth trying to see if there's a, you know, somebody more important to go talk to. <laughs> and, um, you know, Bird and I, we're not trying to be important. We're just there to teach the word and broadcast or whatever. But um, I've, a couple of times I've had people walk away in mid-sentence because some celebrity walked in the room or something like that. And being truthful, being honest, not falling in with the wicked people, uh, all these things are wise. And then not having respect of persons. In other words, all people, all people, regardless of their status, they're human beings made in God's image, they're people for whom Christ died. But I, I think showing impartiality and um, treating all people with respect and, like, like it says, not being a respecter of persons, that is a mark of spiritual maturity, isn't it? It really is, and the book of James talks about that. If you have a man that's wealthy come into your congregation and you say to him, oh, we've saved you a seat right here at the best place, and then you have a poor man come into your congregation and they say, oh, we don't need you. Get way back there. We don't want to see you here. The book of James, which is a handbook for Christian living, talks specifically about this kind of partiality. And so, you know, do not do that. Don't go that way. Be open to the word of God. He who says to the wicked, you are righteous, him the people will curse, nations will abhor him. They'll know the truth, even though you're saying something different. But -hmm. those who rebuke the wicked will have delight, and a good blessing will come upon them. No, and again, this is still in the area of partiality. You do not make your judgments based upon what you get out of it. You don't make those judgments according to what you think. It is according to the Word of God. So again, we go back to verse 12, and I think it's connected here, Alex. He who weighs the hearts and considers it. God is the one, and we're not God. That's the first thing we we need to know. We are not God, so we don't know all the facts. We don't know the whole situation. But what we have, we do our best to not show partiality, to bring favor to some and disfavor to others just because it would do us good. That is, God just wipes that out and says, you should not do that. Um, I know, Bert, you and I mentioned earlier in the study that in the book of Proverbs, this is what's uh, in ancient Jewish uh, scripture, it's called wisdom literature. And sometimes it seems like it's, you know, not in maybe the order that you and I would put it in. And there are verses about work and about tilling the field and being proactive and, you know, working while the sun shines. There's a verse here in verse 27, and it really is a you know, planning the work you're going to do indoors and then the work you're going to do outdoors. And I'm going to come back to that. But there's a lot about not respecting persons. And then, uh, you know, verse 26 says, every man will kiss his lips. It gives a right answer. You know, if you cozy up to somebody, of course, they're going to like you. But be a person of truth. Right. But Bert, this is I think it's just so profound here. Um, preparing your work. And then it goes down there, and um, verse 30, I went by the field of the slothful person, and by the vineyard of the man void of understanding, and lo, it was all grown over with thorns and weeds, right? And I looked and saw and considered it well, because here's, here's a guy that he let, his, he let his place go to pot, as we say. Now, here is a verse. When I was a little kid, I learned this verse in Bible school, and I'm going to tell you, Bert, it put the fear of God in me. But it says in 33, yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. So poverty shall come on thee like a thief and want as an armed man. And it's not saying be a workaholic. You know, there's got to be balance and rest. But Bert, um, throughout Proverbs, have we not seen some verses in favor of being industrious and being proactive and uh, get a good night's sleep, wake up early and get to it? Am I right? (laughs) You are right on. And that's what it's talking about all the way from 30, all the way through verse 34. Again, let me remind you what what this does. In the first few uh, Proverbs chapters, you had uh, verses that about four or five verses talking about the same subject. And then when you get to 10, you find out it's just maybe two lines, three lines. And, you know, that's the way it was done. It's like you said, it's wisdom literature. Then you get to about 22 
and he start he starts putting groups of verses back together, you know. And then mm-hmm. when you get to chapter twenty-five, this is when the Proverbs of Solomon, uh, the men of Hezekiah, copied it. And so I love the way the book of Proverbs is laid out. It lets you know that. But verses thirty through thirty-four is grouped together, and it's all talking about work ethic. And again, you said it well. This is not being a workaholic. This is being a steward. Let's talk about that just a second. Oh, the word steward is a manager. Go back to even Adam in the Garden of Eden. What did God, did he give him the garden? No, the garden was God's, but he told Adam to care for it. To The word is husband it, you know, to, mm. to watch over it, to, to be the care for it. Alex, that has not changed with what God has given us in our land God has not changed in what he's given to us with our life, our, our, our family, uh, our ministries that God has placed us in management positions. This is really talking about stewardship and being a faithful manager of what God has given you. And it goes hmm. back to verse 27. You work, know the seasons, know the seasons. Are there seasons where you work inside more because it's rough outside, but there's times when you better plant your garden, are you not going to have one in the fall? That's right. Uh, Hey, you know, Bert, um, we had at the house a lot of really, really old books about farming, because my grandfather started the the chicken farm, and you would see the word husbandry. Now, you might have heard of animal husbandry, like raising livestock, but it also would apply to the farm and growing things, and the word husband implies stewardship, right? Yes. Now, let me just say in 31 and following, uh, don't let your land get all grown over. Husbandry of your property, right? Proactive, thinking about it, prayerfully, you know, being industrious. Let me say, husbands, uh, you might not have a field to till, but you've got a relationship to keep healthy. You're married. And just as there's the sense of the husbandry of one's land or career, there's the stewardship of your marriage. And we could do a whole nother show on that. But Bert, am I right? So much of life for all of us is stewardship. I, as a follower of Jesus Christ, that's what we say. Even a citizen of the United States, that's what I tell folks. You're to be a stewardship, you to have stewardship of your citizenship. Uh, that's why you're informed. That's why A of R is involved with news and talk, so you can be informed, so you can be that husbandry of our citizenship. We're going to take phone calls right now, 888-589-8840. When you hear this... This is American Family News. You know what follows is the truth. Your news from a Christian perspective. Hundreds of teachers are going to have to walk into that school building and they are forced to swallow political ideology that in many cases violates their very faith and conscience. If you miss it at the top of the hour, American Family News podcasts are available at AFN.net and sign up for our daily news brief at AFN.net. Are you too busy to go to church? We love God, but life gets complicated, but I can help you. I'm Pastor John Miller, and we've designed an app that has church services, a Bible reading plan, and a path for spiritual growth. You can live stream or listen to a podcast of an encouraging Bible message when you're too busy to go to church. Search for Church on the Rock, Texarkana at the App Store. It'll help you connect to God when life is busy. I'm Pastor John Miller. Visit me at churchontherock.org. Sometimes you see a win, a glimpse of God in this broken world. Preborn rejoices in the overturning of Roe versus Wade. Preborn's mission is to love and help women in unplanned pregnancies by offering them the truth to help them make the right choice by providing free ultrasounds. You see, when an expectant mom hears her baby's heartbeat and sees the image of her baby on ultrasound, she's seeing a life created in God's image, and it's a divine connection. And I got to hear and see my baby for the first time. Hearing the heartbeat made me cry. And it was certain that I was going to keep my baby forever. To learn more about Preborn's life-saving work, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. 
All gifts are tax deductible. Your love can save a life. Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. As Paul was incarcerated, facing imminent execution by Nero, he told Timothy perilous times were coming. Evil men and seducers would wax worse and worse. But he instructed Timothy to continue in what he knew to be true. Then he emphatically stated, preach the word. As darkness mounts and wickedness increases, you and I must continue to cling to God's holy word and yield to the lordship of Holy Spirit in our personal lives. And we must absolutely continue to preach the word. We have our orders. Let's magnify the king. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. Jesus said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. Matthew 19, 14. American Family Radio. It's a new You know, we concluded Proverbs 24. We kind of wrapped up Proverbs 24 in verse 32. Speaking of all these things, said, I looked upon it and received instruction. Well, may all of us, myself included, receive the instruction of God's Word. This is Exploring the Word in the Number. We would love for you to call in if you've got a Bible question. Now is an ideal time. Uh, you'll you'll get through. I'm pretty sure of it. But it's 888 589 8840 888-589-8840. Bert Harper and myself, we'd love to hear from you. Hey, Bert, I got to do a quick little commercial here because coming up is Paris, Tennessee, April 21 through 23. Truth for a new generation. It's going to be amazing. You don't want to miss it. Bert is going to be there in person. I'm going to be there. Abe Hamilton uh, airing the Addisons. It's amazing, and you'll get inspired and equipped to stand strong for your faith, and we'll talk about the issues that will shape our future, and you can learn about the Truth for a New Generation Biblical Worldview Apologetics Conference. Go to my website, which is alexmcfarland.com, and we're just going to join together, and Bert, all these revivals we're hearing about around America, uh, we're going to be a part of one too, I believe. Hey, man, that's awesome. Listen, I'm, we're hearing God is continuing to work, and we're, we don't want to get in the way. Don't quench your spirit. Uh, you know, I know there's always those, oh, it's not real. Listen, uh, pray that it's real. Anyway, we better, we better go on because we got people that are calling in like everything. But yesterday, we got a call from James, and I told him if he'd call back, we'd put him on first. James, thank you for calling back, brother. Hi. Uh, so thanks for having me on. Um, my question is, uh, I have some Mormons that come to my door, and uh, I normally talk to them for like half an hour outside my door. Um, but, you know, I say to them that evidence shows that Joseph Smith was a false prophet, blah, 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 and... They just say that they know they're correct because they have the Holy Ghost. And I don't know what else to tell them anymore. I was just wondering if you had any ideas on how to witness to them. Okay, James, you're making a wise decision to meet them at the door. Uh, Listen, unless, uh, I'll just put it this way. Jesus Christ is always the theme. Even Joseph Smith... (laughs) There's no evidence as anything was real. It, it looks like, you know, something he drew up. Honestly, that's honestly evidence. But you go back to Jesus, who Jesus is. Jesus is the Son of God. He didn't become the Son of God. He is. Alex, uh, sometimes it's very careful how you uh, meet people at the door. And, and listen, you got to be careful, mm-hmm. don't you? Uh, you do, because I want to say this. Um, there are a lot of Mormon people, uh, participants in the, the LDS Church, Latter-day Saints, and, and they, they can be very moral, and they can be you know very, very exemplary citizens, 
but their message is not the Christian gospel. And two of the big things that they really um, teach falsely is they deny that Jesus Christ is God incarnate, that Jesus is fully God. And Jesus is not a God or one who attained godhood. Uh, He's the one who said, before Abraham was, I am. Now, so, Bert, here's one of the things that that I've done. And, folks, um, if you're talking with a Mormon, be respectful. Be respectful. Make sure you know, really, you have a good, solid handle on the Christian gospel. But here's the thing. I'll, I'll say, do you accept the King James Bible? And they do. They accept that the King James Bible is the Word of God. And I'll say, well, um, could you agree that we have a different, we really have a different message? Works and the covenants of Joseph Smith versus faith in the Son of God. So, different gospel. What about the origin? Because the Christian gospel, now folks, listen to this. Uh, Peter and the Apostles, John 3.16 versus something that came out of the mid-1800s. And where did we get ours? From Christ and the Apostles. Where did you get yours? From the angel Moroni. Okay, then turn to Galatians 1.8 in that King James Bible that they say they believe. And Paul says, if we or an angel from heaven preach a different gospel, let them be anathema. So you've got a different message, a different origin, and yet, by their own admission, the Bible that they say they affirm says if there's a different message than that of Christ and the apostles, and Mormonism certainly is different, then Paul said uh, that message and messenger be accursed. And so, Bert, I, I, I got to say, um, I, the Mormons can be sincere, they can be very moral outwardly, but it is not the New Testament good news message of salvation. It is not. And again, centered in Jesus Christ. Jesus is sufficient. That's whole. In Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone, it is Christ alone. Let's go to Ohio and talk to Norman. Welcome, Norman. Hello, gentlemen. Yes, go right ahead. I want to thank you, first of all, for... Uh the, the show the radio show you guys host uh, I've learned a lot from you I get to listen to you on the way home from work and my input today uh, you ended the segment kind of talking about men and their garden uh, I had recently read a book by Brant Hansen titled the men we need and he kind of goes into a lot of detail uh, Adam was given a very short list of things to do or not to do and the one was tend to his garden. And he goes on to expound upon that, that that's, that's what we as men need to do today, is tend our garden. That's our family. That's our home. That's the people within our realm of influence. We should be a positive influence and a positive to their life. We should add to it and encourage them and help them to grow. And so I thought that would be good for the men that listen to your show to hear uh, I'd recommend the book to anyone, and I thank you again for the work you do. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Norman. Well, what's thank that you for scri- sharing Yeah, that. what's that scripture, my uh, own vineyard I have not kept, you know? Is yeah. that in Song of Solomon, Alex, or do you remember? To uh, be honest, I don't remember, yeah, but, but it, I know that. Yeah. But that's the whole thing, your vineyard, your garden, keep it. God's given you that responsibility. Our counterpart, Abe Hamilton the third. He'll talk about he's he's got from five to six central time. Alex is, has been there and, and took his place when Abe couldn't be there. But he'll say, well, I've got to leave my tempor- uh, part-time job to go home to do my full-time job. And that's mm-hmm. to be a husband and a father. And so uh, that's I love that line from, from Abe. Okay, let's go to Texas. Jerry, welcome. Jerry, are you there? I'm here. Go right ahead. You're on the radio, brother. I was wondering what generation uh, Jesus was talking about that would uh, in Matthew 24. Yeah. That uh, this generation will not pass. Yeah. Go ahead, Alex. You've been you've answered that, sir, and you can do it quicker than I, and that way we can get to other questions because you and I agree completely on this. Yeah, you know what, really it's talking about, most people think that it's talking about the fact that shortly after Jesus said that, 
in Matthew 17, Peter, James, and John, on the Mount of Transfiguration, they saw the kingdom and the glory of God coming in power. Now, what some skeptics have said is, so Christ must have been trying to say that those disciples would not die until the end of time. And so at the very least, what, what that may or may not mean, let's, let's point out what it doesn't mean. And what it doesn't mean is that the disciples wouldn't die before the end of time. You see what I'm saying, Bert? And th- this is um, there uh, in Matthew, where, and he goes um, that he was transfigured, and he said, you know, this generation will not pass till all things be fulfilled. Um, it, these words are also found in Matthew 24. But, Bert, another way people understand this is that the church would not be extinguished before the end of time. All of the believers of all the ages, and then here we are 20 centuries from the life of Christ, and the church still is around. And so um, the the message of Christ, the message of the gospel, and the church that he established uh, will not and has not be, been extinguished. And Yes, the end of time is going to come, but I think even those disciples on the Mount of Transfiguration, they did see him in his glory, didn't they? They really did, and it was something, the Mount of Transfiguration. So thank you so much, Jerry. We appreciate your call. Hope that helps, man. Let's go to Illinois, and uh, Betty, welcome. Thank you, and thank you for taking my call. My question is uh, your opinion on Christians going to homosexual uh, weddings, even if it's a family member. Okay, Betty, thank you. Yes, we have talked about that, and uh, it may be a personal preference. I, I am on the side of not going. It's really not a biblical. I don't, I don't even call it a wedding or a marriage. It is not because the Bible has given the definition of marriage, and it is a man and a woman. Go ahead, Alex. Well, I, I, I'm i only speaking for myself here, but I say no, I wouldn't. Because let me just say this. There there are so many issues at play here. The redefinition of marriage, uh, ample, ample scriptures that talk about homosexuality being one of those things that God abhors, and if it's not repented of, it will keep people out of heaven. Um, the mainstreaming of homosexuality really has grossly eroded our country's moral foundation. Uh, And frankly, um, it's going to be a miracle of God if we retain our Constitution. One last thing I've got to say is this, that volumes, forget the preachers for a minute, let me say volumes of psychiatric literature uh, show that homosexuality is destructive, it's born out of abuse, and pain. Um, so, Bert, I, I'm going to say this, and I know, look, God loves every person, and any sinner in the world can be saved if they'll repent and turn to Jesus. But homosexuality is demonic. All of this mainstreaming of homosexual weddings, it's demonic. I wouldn't go for all the money in the world because it stands against everything related to Christianity and the United States. So it's very unfortunate that people are being deceived by this, and many ministers are deceiving people. But um, this I'm only speaking for Alex, but for five dozen reasons, I would say, no, I wouldn't go. Betty, let me just share this with you. You can, if it's a family member, you can let them know why you're not going. You can do it in love. Speak the truth in love. And you can let them know this is not what marriage is. The the Supreme Court may have changed the law of the land, but not the law of God, and that you obey God rather than man. And based on that, I I love you, but I cannot be a part of this. And and try to do it as kind as you can, but straightforward as you can. Speak the truth in love. That's the whole idea. So Betty, Alex, and I completely agree. So thank you for calling, and and if that is a situation with you, uh, pray that you will do what God would have you to do. Let's go to North Carolina, the state of Alex McFarland, and talk to Janet. Welcome, Janet. 
Hello, how are you? Doing well. What Good. part of North Thank Carolina? Uh, Ronald Rapids is 10 miles inside of 95 going down. Oh, okay. Oh, been there many times. Little city. <laughs> okay. Go ahead, Janet. Yeah. <laughs> okay. My question bounces off something yesterday. The guy, the demoniac that had all the demons cast out of him and um, Jesus sent them into the pigs and the pigs went into the water. Now, I know the pigs are, you know, a no-no for Jewish and all that, but when they go in the water... I've heard that, you know, well, it happened to me, but if you have demons cast out, that they can come back and they'll go out in an arid places and bring back more stronger. If they went into the water, did that just shut those demons down? <laughs> I, Alex, I don't, I, I, my, I've read those, combined those two things about the man who cleansed himself and got rid of the demons in his own power and they came back, you know, not finding a place mm-hmm. to rest. And then this one. I, the water seemed like a place of of destruction. It, it's a it is a word picture. I think I, Revelation thirteen. Yeah, of truth, isn't it? Yeah, it is. You know, it's interesting when you read about um, when a demon goes out, uh, goes to arid places, and the wording there is like the Negev desert, uh, an arid, dry place, and then they search, and that's why it's so bad to backslide because you know it says it comes back and uh, it, the the state is worse than it was before now when it talks about um, the pigs go into the water one of the um, symbols in scripture uh, deep dark water uh, implies uh, like in Revelation 13 there was a beast that came out of the sea well the sea of humanity or the actual ocean now bird I don't know that we can take this too far but here's the thing it seems like there's a picture of demons plural coming from the sea, and demon, singular individual, in an arid, dry place looking for a new host to inhabit. But let me just say this. Um, it, we talked about it yesterday, the demoniac, and the demon said, you know, Lord, cast us into those pigs. Don't torment us before the time. Um, I'm going to tell you where the demons are going to wind up. Not in the sea, but in a lake, yeah. the lake of fire. We, and uh, we may not ahead. know the temporary place, but we know the permanent place, don't we, Alex? Yes, we do. We do. The permanent destination of Satan and his demons is in the lake of fire. And uh, hey, Jim in Arkansas, uh, please call back tomorrow, and we're going to try to put you at the top of the queue. Bert, it's a blessing to be in the Word of God and talk to all these wonderful people with great questions. We certainly do. And read ahead, Proverbs 25. It, it's kind of different. And so look at it. See if you can look at it a little bit and say, okay, the collections are the same, the truth is the same, but how they're put together is a little different. That will intrigue you in Bible study. We appreciate you listening to Exploring the Word, and we pray you'll tell someone about this program, but more importantly, tell them about Jesus. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.